It is the holidays, and uh, you know what that means. Good food. That means some grub is about to go forth. Folks are about to start seasoning stuff. Some of y'all are so serious in the kitchen that you have begun seasoning your meat today, and we like 10 days from Christmas. I know some of y'all don't play. And, and when we start talking about food, though, some of the interesting things with food is we all know what we're talking about, even though food terms have multiple meanings. Like, like, like you start divvying up. Okay, you're going to do the dressing. You're going to do, you know, the, the green beans. Uh, Pastor Leon, you bring the pop. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, yep, yep, you're going to do that. Okay. And then you say something like, okay, now you get the mac and cheese. Now, the whole house would be offended if a person walked in with a blue box with some yellow writing on it. Uh, I mean, technically, it is mac and cheese, but come on now. <laughs> you know, like, like it is technically mac and cheese, but, but, but that, that's, that's for the kids when they come home from school, mac and cheese. That's not... Christmas Day mac and cheese, right? Or if somebody's going to cook a ham and they, they say, okay, you get the ham and somebody walk up in there with lunch meat, we got, we got a problem. We got a See, See, just because there's a term doesn't mean everybody will define it the same way. And as we continue in our worship series during Advent, there's a term called hope. And this word hope is a beautiful word, but if it's not defined the right way, if this term is defined uh, off of the way God defines it, it does not fulfill its true purpose. It does not actually leave us full in the way God would desire. So I would like to ask you to turn to Isaiah chapter 40. And while you're turning to Isaiah chapter 40, I want to remind you of the slide we have for our series. Our series is called Echoes of Jesus, Hope in the Darkness. And our sister Megan designed this slide, and it's a slide or this uh, logo. And uh, y'all, I thank Megan every day because Pastor Leon could not come up with something like this. It looks awesome, and our sister is gifted. But we as a team met and uh, talked and prayed through and came up with this, this title because it, it represents a key theme in the Bible. An echo is something that takes place. It's like a, a sound that takes place, but it gets repeated continually after the original sound stops. It, it continues to have an effect. And so we see in the Old Testament, we see prophecy is used as an echo. It's like someone makes a statement about Jesus, and then that statement continues to ripple throughout the Old Testament until it's fulfilled in Jesus. It may have been a prophet that, that maybe started a theme of Jesus' goodness or his forgiveness or his saving presence, and it will continue to ripple throughout the books of the Bible. God has allowed his voice to move throughout time and there are times when he will use an individual to state something that is fully manifested later and we see that in 
Jesus. But there's also some other themes that play out. And there's a theme called hopelessness. There's a theme that is called despair. There's a theme of hopelessness that we all can relate to. And sometimes Christian people can act like once we got saved, we don't know what hopelessness means. That actually feeling like the weight of the world being on our shoulders is something that we graduated from. If I can be honest, sometimes it feels even heavier when you come to know the Lord. Because you see the breaking of people's lives. You see the not just the physical aspect that breaks. You see the spiritual aspect that breaks too. And your heart is just softened for a world in need of Jesus. But we have been talking through this series. And we have shared and tried to enter into this topic of hope. And we did it with two words previous. The first Sunday we talked about joy and how we have joy because Jesus is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our eternal father, our prince of peace. And the second Sunday, Pastor Chris preached and he helped us understand what it means to be whole, how peace is something that girds us and now it helps us understand the beautiful aspect of hope. The sister Nancy Guthrie says, she says, statements like these will help you understand a person's reference points for hope. Now, half of these statements I haven't said myself, so Nancy acting like she know me. But statements like, I hope I get a raise. I hope we get to go on vacation. I hope they got sweet potato because I want to make some yam. I hope that this shirt that I really like is in my side begin to start seeing a theme when you're talking about hope how almost trivial hope is. begin to start seeing a theme that hope is actually based on uncertainty like, like statements that are like wishes that you hope to come true. All these statements imply that there is no certainty and no guarantee that it will come through. And maybe that's what I want to make sure you are left with understanding. That hope from a worldly standpoint is uncertainty with no guarantee. It's a wish. And I can hear me clearly. But can y'all hear me clearly? My mic act up. I'm good. All right. Praise the Lord. Now, that just because it is not guaranteed doesn't mean it's not a motivator, right? Because sometimes... You can still get motivated by worldly hopeful things. There's a magazine called Parade Magazine. It said that a, a self-made millionaire named Eugene Land, who greatly challenged the lives, he greatly challenged the lives of a sixth grade class in East Harlem. Mr. Lang had been asked to speak to a class of 59 sixth graders. What could he say to inspire these students? most of whom would drop out of school based on all of the statistics of the school system. He wondered how he could get them, get these predominantly black and Puerto Rican children even to look at him. Scraping through his notes, he decided to speak to them from his heart. He said, stay in school and I'll help pay the college tuition for every one of you. At that moment, the lives of the students 
changed. For the first time, it seemed like they had hope. Said one student, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It seemed like a golden feeling. Nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school. So worldly hope doesn't mean that, that we can't have a motivation. It doesn't mean that, that it, it can't be something that moves you to act and gets you up off of your butt and get into gear. But it also means, not guaranteed, also means that while he made that promise, he could have squandered his money the next day. While he made that promise, he could have passed away. There are so many factors that could have taken away the fulfillment of that promise. Because he was but just a man. But if you look with me at Isaiah chapter 40, God wants us to have an eternal understanding of hope. That the world falls short with its understanding of hope motivating as it may be. And we're going to start in verse 9. God kind of defines himself a little bit. Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 9. It says, Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion. And I'm sorry, one second. If you have a Bible from our church, can you tell me what page that is? I'd like to share our... our, our 712 and 559. 599. 599. 712 and 599. Thank you. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O, o Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord your God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him. And his recompense before him, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Family, there is hope in knowing that God cares for you and he cares about you. You get this imagery that God is trying to display, this imagery of, of a sheep and a shepherd, one who will care for, protect, and do whatever for those that he would be over. But why would a shepherd carry a sheep? What would lead a shepherd to carry a sheep? Maybe the sheep was lost, got away, and he's bringing them back. Maybe the sheep was attacked. And now he's hurt and can't walk. And now he's carrying him. Maybe the sheep has wandered away and is now trying to find their way back. And the, the shepherd is the one who wants to carry her and introduce her back into the fold. Whatever, whatever the situation is, Jesus is communicating the extent of his love, care, and support of his sheep. And I love this imagery because it helps us understand of, of how like steadfast and overwhelming is the presence of God's compassion for us. He's, he's going to start in Isaiah 40 by building a case. and say, before I get to the point where you can put your hope in me, I want to make sure you understand who I am. 
So he defines who he is, a shepherd that is loving, that cares for folks. But I ask you, if we don't know the example of why these sheep were carried, are there some other examples biblical of how God carried his people? We got Red Seas getting parted and Exodus stories, and we've got, you know, folks being hungry and manna coming forth. We've got some of those examples. We've got New Testament examples of, of folks understanding different languages but hearing the gospel preached. So we got some Old Testament examples, some OT examples. We got some New Testament examples, some NT examples, but we got some MT examples too. Some my testimony examples. Some of y'all got some examples of God coming through in a shepherding way saying to you, yeah, it don't add up in your bank account, but I got you this month. Yeah, you've been riding around with that light on on E for about a day and a half. I'm going to still let you coast on into the gas station on that last putter putt. You had some people who, who had some verdicts from, from doctors. I guess verdicts are with the judge, but shoot, we can go there too. We got some folks that had some court cases where it looked like it wasn't going to work out for them, and the Lord was gracious. We got some folks who heard from doctors that their health was not going to be repaired in a certain way, and now, I mean, we have testimony after testimony of God's shepherding presence in our lives. So as you begin to start understanding the concept of hope, hope is not built on like a wishful thing. Hope starts with its foundation in who God is. Your and my shepherd. But there are some, some things that seek to steal our attention from this shepherding God, this God who we can place our hope in. My, my children were uh, uh, learning how to do magic tricks. And one of my kids enjoyed it more than the others. And so he'd get really excited, you know, start doing this magic trick. And then after he would do the magic trick, which, you know, kids are never as fast as they think they are. I'm like, come on, man. But anyway, you know, you got to be the daddy. Oh, you got me, you know. <laughs> then afterwards, he would be like, okay, dad, now let me show you how it was done. And he would expose all of the little tricks and hand slice that he was trying to do in order to fool me. It's like, Dad, I want to let you in on it. And he was exposing me to it. And in these next verses, and we're going to jump to verse 18, what God starts doing is exposing idols in our life that would lead us to place our hope in them. Look with me in verse 18. It says, to whom then will you liken God or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts it for, for silver change. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. He's basically saying, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, there are different types of idols. Depending on how much money you have, you can have the nicest idol out there. But they all man-made. 
And if you are going to be one who understands the importance of having a, a hope that's rooted in something, let me expose the trickery behind these idols. Wood that don't rot? You're going to put your faith in that? You had to take it to a man that looked just like you to carve out something. Gold, you had to take it to a man who formed it into something that, so you saw the process. You saw that it was nothing, and yet you put your hope in it. I was uh, listening to a brother who talked about, uh, I, I like podcasts. I like, uh, see, I always date myself when I start trying to, like, go out of there. You know what I'm saying? What's a, what's a video cast called? Vlog, thank you. See, yep, granddaddy. So uh, anyway, you know, I'm I'm watching these guys, and they're like, man, like, like, you know, when I started, my hope was was to encourage people in the gospel, and I I would spend time sharing these words, and then my likes got up, and my followers got up, and this pool of people got up, and before I knew it, I was catering to what the people's responses said. See, it started off somewhat genuine, but now it became an idol. And family, that could be the case, and these were Christian people, that could be the case even for believers, even for us. And that's something that is Christianese on it, right? What about when it ain't got nothing to do with God? What about when it's, when it's something that you could find more difficulty making the God connection. Now, my belief is that in every profession, God can be glorified and expressed, right? In everything you do, God can, can, can receive the honor. But sometimes it's a little bit more difficult in your job than maybe in your church expression ministry. And yet, it's another man-made thing that can easily begin to be an idol or a relationship or money or, or, or. See, what God is trying to do is say, hold on, things are important, things are beautiful. But if your hope begins to get in anything but me, it is an idol and my prayer is that you would cast it down. This Christmas, every year, we get to remind ourselves of the beauty of Jesus Christ coming into this world and saying, cast down your idols, cast down your idols, for I am your only hope. I know I'm supposed to have the here comes Santa Claus, here comes. I know it's supposed to be like a jolly jolly, but sometimes what we need is our world rocked. Because that's what happened when, the, when our Savior entered this world. There was a darkness that overtook the world. All of humanity was trying to find its way. And Jesus said, now I'm here. Now there will be a new life. Now there will be a new covenant. Now there's going to be a new experience. Now you will be able to be a new creation. Continue with me, y'all, in verse 21. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? 
It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Y'all, I know we be reading stuff, we be like, grasshoppers, what? You know, it's like, 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 stuff is as thin as a piece of paper. You know, like, like you get the, the poetic nature that he's trying to help us understand his grandeur and his beauty. Verse 23, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness? Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their... Uh, stem taking root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Who can be compared to this God? You see, he is making the, the, the statement. He's saying, okay, the idols don't measure up. Who I am is beautiful. Who I am is holy. Who I am is other. Nothing can compare to me. And now you understand that when I speak, it's a guarantee. When I move, it's a guarantee. If you want to put your hope on something, put your hope in me. Continue with me in verse 26. Because I I love the Bible like the Bible writers are inspired by the Holy Spirit, yet are also human. And as humans, life gets tough. As humans, there is a weight that can be on our shoulders. As humans, we can struggle sometime. And verse 26 is one where, where he begins to shift from declaring who he is to the posture that he wants people to take. Verse 26, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these things. Go from your focus being about what influences you, what idols, what things you can grasp, what you can hold to. Now look up towards the heavens and properly adjust your view. He who brings them out, their host by number, calling them by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. His strength is unmatched. His power is beyond great. He's the creator of all things, and no idol can even compare. Then we get to the verses that we have for today where we're landing and where you actually see the word hope mentioned. Verse 27, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Why is it that that our hope is different? Our hope is different because of the God we believe in is different. Our hope is different because he gives guarantees. He says, I promise these things. 
I promise that I will guide you and care for you until the end. I promise that there is an eternal reward that is far greater than what you're going through today. I promise that I will never leave you, never forsake you. So you can place your hope in me. That sister Nancy Guthrie says, biblical hope is based on, uh, is not based on circumstances, but rather on the promises and character of God. This hope is not wishful, it's not an uncertain desire, but a confident certainty and a blessed assurance for those who follow Jesus. It is the hope we have in Jesus, our risen Lord, who has overcome death. It's a crazy hope, y'all. It's crazy. It's crazy. It has you looking stupid. Friends are like, you know, why won't you do this while I'm waiting on God? How long are you going to wait? Well, 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 why won't you make this move? God ain't tell me. He, he told you to, what? He ain't tell you. You listening for God? It makes sense to me. See, hope will have you looking kind of silly out here in the streets because it's not based on the certainty that's right before you. Oh, let me make a move here because I can see an easy answer. No, it's like, God, I trust you even when I don't see. I believe in you even when I don't understand. I rest on your promises even when my mind can't figure it out. That's why I love Romans 5, verses 3 and 4. It says, and not only this, but we exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. Saying that we trust God, we're going to go through some stuff, and going through that stuff will even give us more hope because we trust God. You see that cycle? Trust in you, God. Go through some stuff. Hope increased. Trust in you, God. Go through some stuff. Hope increased. We keep building up hope as God keeps coming through. But I don't mean it's always going to be easy. I mean, look at the environment our Savior was born into. Dirty stable. Manger where animals eat out of. Like, it doesn't mean that life is going to be smooth and easy, but it does mean he will be with us. He will guide us. He will lead us. Come on, y'all. Let's get ready to close. Turn with me now to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to go to verses 8 through 12. And just continue to get a, a clear picture of hope realized. I mean, one of my amazing congregants gets there. If you could tell us what page that is. Luke 857 in one Bible. And 1018 in the other Bible. Thank you, family. Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. And in the same region, oh, my bad, I heard some, I heard some paper flips. Let y'all get there. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you great good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David 
a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Do you think that they could believe in these words? Do you think that they could pause for a second and, and though overwhelmed by fear, still act on what God had said and see it come to pass? Like I, I, I like that, that sometimes doing what God asks you to do doesn't mean that you won't be scared. Doesn't mean that you won't be shook for a minute. Doesn't mean you won't have to have the voice of the Lord calm you sometimes and get you back in your right mind. But it does mean that God will come through. He guarantees his words. His promises are always faithful, always true. My hope for you, family, is that as you read these words and you consider Jesus Christ being being born, that, that you would see Hope fulfilled in the birth of our Savior, but that hope is the same hope in the New Testament that was talked about in the Old. This forecasting, this echo of one who would be righteous, of one who is all-knowing, of one who was all-loving, all-compassionate, all-caring. A shepherd that cared for us even in our worst. Loved us when we were sinners. And died so that we could be free from the bondage of sin. Our hope is that as you celebrate Christmas, it will remind you, spark a fire in your hope for Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you. I pray that some of these words would trigger my family. Maybe it's hearing the term hope, that'll be enough. Maybe it's hearing a friend put their hope in something that they shouldn't be, and it will remind us to go deeper in our hope. Maybe, Lord, it'll just be mac and cheese and ham, and we'll think, oh, wait a minute. Am I actually going deeper with hope, or am I at a worldly surface level, Lord? I pray that we would be a people who walk with you and find our joy, our peace, and our hope in you because you came and lived and then died for us. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mac family, uh, we are going to continue now in a time of worship with communion. And so by your knees uh, should be communion cups, uh, and you can go ahead and start getting those ready. But uh, one of the things we like to do is give you an opportunity to accept Christ, to understand what has been offered to you today. We are talking about hope, but hope is not something that's like for the moment. Remember I described hoping that a shirt would be on sale. Well, if it is, then the hope is done hope realized. But see, we hope in a God that enters into our world, changes who we are today, and is providing a new reality for us that is in eternity. 
And so we want to invite you into that reality. We want you to be able to be saved. Saved from what, Pastor? Saved from sin. Saved from trying to live the life that you want to live. Instead, submitting your life unto Jesus. And so today, if you say, Pastor, I hear you. That hope sounds cool. I want to live for God. I just want to ask you to simply pray this prayer with me. Lord, I hear you. I hear you speaking in my heart. And I'm asking for your forgiveness. For me, a person who sinned against you. I recognize that Jesus loves me. And that he died for me. Taking on the pain that I should have received. Now, Lord, allow me to live for you, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer today, if you're like, well, Pastor, I repeated the words. Some of them I didn't understand, but my heart was real. I want to live for Jesus. Then that's what matters most, and we celebrate you accepting Christ today. And today can be your first day of taking communion. Now, if you accepted Christ and you at home, look, you better send us your phone number, put your info in the, in the chat because we want to follow up with you. If you're here, please come talk to me after service because we as a family want to walk with you. We do this, this act of taking juice and a cracker because Jesus commanded us to do it. It's a commandment so that we would be reminded of all that was accomplished uh, on, for the world, not just us. He, he reset all things, and we got to be a part of that beautiful uh, new reality. If you are a person that says, I love the Lord, I'm still learning what it means to live it out perfectly. I'm trying to get right, Lord, but I love you, then we invite you to take communion. If you're a person who says, I'm not yet ready to submit to God, I'm still trying to work out who he is, then we ask you not to take communion because this is an act of worship. The bread represents Jesus' body that was broken for you. Break, take it, eat it. juice. This represents Jesus' blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sin. Take and drink. Lord, our sins have been forgiven and we get to walk in a new life. My chains are gone. I've been set free. And so now, Lord, let us feel free to worship you, Lord. Let us feel free to evangelize. Let us feel free to serve. Let us feel free to go, grow closer in you, Lord. Guide and lead us so we can be a body that reflects you in all ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.